Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast, a joint effort by Forbes India and TheIndicast.com, where we talk with the author of the cover story of the fortnight. My name is Abhishek, and joining me on the phone are two familiar names now on the show. From Mumbai, we have Shishir Prasad, the deputy editor of Forbes India. Hi, Shishir. Hi. And from Bangalore, we have Rohin Dharmakumar, the assistant editor. Hey, Rohin. Hey, Abhishek. The two of you are back writing the main story for the magazine in a span of three issues now. For all the trouble that Mr. Dharma Kumar has taken out writing those uh, quick back-to-back kind of cover stories, he's been elevated, he's been promoted. So, so Rohin is now what? Well, Rohin? Rohin is not senior assistant editor. So, you know, the next step of my promotion will be like, you know, adjunct senior assistant. So, and, you know, we, we have this thing, it's like vice president titles in investment bank. <laughs> so, you know, we keep like, you know, prefixing the word editor with like multiple titles. Right, but congratulations for that. You're being modest, but congratulations. I, I was more keen on knowing that uh, since the two of you collaborated on this story, now, you know, in cricket, you, it said that fast bowlers hunt in pairs, like you had Vazim, Wakar, Wal, Samros. Do you have any such thing in journalism as well, where two writers get together? Yeah, and- that is. That is. I, I think this is a little bit off track, but hmm. Shishir actually has coined the name for our team. I don't know if you've seen the movie Harold and Kumar. They stone a movie series, right? Right. So, you know, so this is the Prasad and Kumar team. <laughs> Interesting. So the Prasad and Kumar team has come up with another story. This time it's on a quite complicated topic on private equity. I tried to uh, look up the definition of private equity and uh, just hold your breath while I read off uh, one such definition. And Dilbert would crack up on this. It says, Private equity in finance is an asset class consisting of equity securities and operating companies that are not publicly traded on the stock exchange. Now, it's, it's like a consultant's language. Rohan, can you take a shot at explaining this to me as if I were a five-year-old? What is private equity with an example, if you can? Sure. Um, actually, that example which you quoted, that may not always be correct because there are instances where a private equity is employed in companies which are publicly traded. Mm-hmm. So that's beside the point. Essentially, private equity is nothing but aggregation of money from various rich institutions, individuals, even companies, mm-hmm. which is then handed to a fund and a set of fund managers who then invest it directly into companies. So essentially, think of a mutual fund. What does a mutual fund do? A mutual fund collects money from companies and individuals mm-hmm. and then invests in shares. In the case of private equity, instead of investing it in shares, the fund managers actually deploy that in running companies mm-hmm. and then they actually work with the management of those companies to make sure that those companies use that money to scale up, become more successful. In the process, you know, increasing the worth of their original investment, there's a sign that they can actually figure out a way to recoup that, either by selling that stake to someone else or by, you know, selling it to the public through an ICO, etc. Right. So that's really what private equity is about. Historically, when it sort of started off, they were either investing in companies that are not yet listed or it would be invested in companies that were not doing well mm-hmm. and they would be invested in those companies to take them private. Right. So you took them off the public market. So you said that, hey, look, you guys aren't doing well. The investors don't like you. Mm-hmm. You know, what we'll do is we'll buy out the public shareholders and we'll take you private. And then we'll fix you up. It's, so it's like a garage thing. Your car isn't running well, so you take it to the garage, you, right. you fix up the engine, you fix up the carburetor, whatever. And then once all ship shape, you right. take it back onto the public market and say, look, buy it now. Right, so these guys are the ones who just put in the adrenaline shot, which might come in yeah, terms exactly. of money. Yeah, 
Yeah, so for example, now Rohin just continuing from where you left about expansion. Now, if a makemytrip.com wants to get to the next level, it needs money for that. They have ideas, but they need money. Uh, a private equity might say, hey, okay, I love your idea. I'm going to invest in it. If it grows and if you make money, I take a percentage of it. So that's basically private equity and you have crores of money riding on them. It could be right example. The only point there is you said, here's money, multiply it and then give it back to me. Usually it doesn't happen that way mm-hmm. because let's say you make my trip and you need let's say 100 crores because you want to kind of add more operations and like you know take on more uh, you know, open offices in more cities. So what you do is you give away a certain stake in your business to the private equity fund that provides you with that money. And then in the process, if you do that and make my trip actually becomes more successful at selling its products and services, therefore its value should increase. So let's say the private equity fund which invested 100 crores for a 10% valuation will find out that in maybe six months or one year down the line, the valuation has increased and now it actually has a 10th year stake is worth maybe 120 crores. Then the question is how does it actually you know make use of that, so which is what you should mention, which is really that you know when the IPO happens, so it make my trips private equity investors when an IPO happens, they'll send their stakes back to the general public and they make their money. I mean, the difference between what they invested in the value and what they're selling it. Right. And how big is this in India? And if you look at the statistics, it would be around 15, 16 years old. If you don't count the one example of TDICI, which is what you know, it used to be called in ICICI in the very, very early days. Right. But if you leave that out, then about 15, 16 years old. I think now fairly big because close to about 15 to 17 billion dollars of money is coming every year. In some years, it has matched the total FBI component that has come in, actually. Right, and your article also states that yeah. it's not just the big ones, but uh, there are people who quit the big private equity firms to start up on their own. And uh, Sishir, if you could help us with uh, what's the cover story about. It's a pretty long one, as all cover stories are, and it does not only mm-hmm. focus on private equity, but something more. To actually say it very short, it's like uh, people who were working for established uh, funds mm-hmm. or institutions Many of them have sort of stuck out on their own and uh, they have started their own funds. And this business is slightly different from, uh, for example, if you're working for an automobile company, let's say you work for a car company, uh-huh. and tomorrow you have a different plan, you think a car can be made differently. It's not so easy to leave a car company and start your own car company. The cost is simply too high. If you're working for a bank, you have hope and hell because you know, there are hundreds of regulations, uh-huh. there are capital requirements, this and that. True. But this business, though it's capital, but it's risk capital, so it's highly entrepreneurial. It's replete with examples of people who have left established institutions to start private equity funds of their own. What we have noticed is probably this is a phenomenon which is gathering steam in India. There are people who have who worked with Citibank, who have worked with uh, ICICI, and they have now stuck out on their own. And we are saying that, look, this has happened before also. So we are being uh, quite upfront about that. That is not the first time we are not trying to sell you that story. It's happened a couple of times before, but it's not lasted. And when we say lasted, we mean that when you raise, you expect that guy to perform well and be able to go out to his investor in another set of funds. That has not happened. And we feel that this time might be different and uh, these guys might be able to go out and back for a much longer innings than the earlier guys were able to do. Well then, why would someone, uh, a company, would go to a fledgling private equity firm started by industry veterans as opposed to the big ones like JP Morgan's or the Carlyle's of the world? 
Well, uh, there are two things. One is a technical reason. Technical reason, I'll keep it short, which is that if you are a very large institution, then it is difficult for you to invest in opportunities that don't match up to your size, for instance. A large fund can manage only so many investments, and because it can manage only so many investments, minimum investment size is this big. The other reason, which is far more important, I feel, is that many of the guys who are quitting now, and if you look at the names that we have mentioned, there is Ajay Velan, there is Anupam Ramnath, there is uh, P. R. Srinivasan, there is Subhu Subramaniam. When you look at them, they have a solid track record. You know, with 15, 16 years that these guys have put in, they understand private equity, they understand Indian entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and that will allow them their edge. And how different has the industry changed? Now, for example, it's very tempting to draw comparisons with the U.S., where I remember watching a, a series on Discovery Channel where uh, John Heberman, he's a very popular tech uh, writer in the Silicon Valley, he said that once Michael Moritz of Sequoia Capital called him to his office and said that, look, I'm going to invest in the search engine. So he asked him, why would you want to invest in the search engine? So he said that, look, these kids are trying to solve the single most important problem on the web, which is search, and if we guys cannot. find ways to make money from it then we shouldn't be in this business and 5 days later uh, he actually invested 12 and a half million dollars and the other 12 and a half came from cleanup perkins so all this happened within a span of 2 weeks so how fluid in that and fast in that sense is the indian industry when uh, you know in, you, when you compare and i'm talking about google here they invested in google it probably isn't as evolved as that Mm-hmm. and part of it is to do with the fact that in the us there is specialization there is what is called venture capital which is you know typically investing in companies which are very small right. and then there is private equity which is much larger companies mm-hmm. many of the people who are in venture business are actually the people who have run companies who have done that thing day in day out for maybe 10 12 years and then they have become venture capitalists right it's probably like if you do podcast For 10-15 years, and then become an investor who goes ahead and invests in radio or podcast. Uh-huh. There's certain domain expertise that comes with the job. Right. I don't think that has happened in India too much. So, in other words, you are saying that the people who put in the money, uh, they might not necessarily know the business. So they are like the financiers. So here's the money. You run the business and just give. Yeah, that money. would be true at this stage. That would be true at this stage. For example, which you mentioned is good, but as you should already said, it's in the context of venture capital yes. where. The investor is picking a point on a business model itself. Uh-huh. That like this sounds very exciting. Let me take a bet. I think it's going to be big. What really happens, I mean, in private equity, is you're doing larger investment in companies that have already, to a certain extent, proved their business model. Right. They're running revenues. They're running profits. They're either growing fairly well or like you know, you know, it is, it is growing. Uh, shouldn't it be more easier and faster since the company is doing already well and you have a chance to invest more easier in the sense of knowing whether this is a business model that makes money yes mm-hmm. but uh, what you're really doing is you're not just taking a call and saying that look i mean this will make money in the future you're betting that here's a company let's say which makes for example do i take power generation equipment for let's say telecom stars right and you're saying here's 100 crores and grow use it to kind of grow your production you know and this product line etc while you're doing that you're also taking a call on whether the indian telecom industry has peaked whether it will continue to grow at this rate mm-hmm. whether there's enough competition of other people who so you're you're taking in a whole lot of other aspects as well obviously one thing we have to understand is when you and i invest in a company or when we invest in a mutual fund we are to a certain extent protected by regulation 
So, you know, if the company does some kind of fraud or, you know, it, it doesn't declare something, we can go to the regulator and say, these guys didn't tell us this. Right. So this is wrong. That fraud is not really hanging in front of companies when they accept private equity. To a certain extent, when a private equity company does a deal with an entrepreneur, it's taking a huge risk on the company. There's a chance that you might lose your entire investment if the company goes kaput or if it doesn't grow the way. Because if you can't sell your stake to somebody else, and if the company is not growing the way you expected it to, then that investment really is not going to be of much help, right? And that's where I believe you also mentioned in your article that the local knowledge of uh, these veteran entrepreneurs who quit their companies to start off on their own comes in handy. Uh, you have many examples in this uh, article. How many people did you uh, actually meet or speak to? Because there are many quotes in it. <laughs> I'm guessing between me and Shishir, we would have spoken or met around 25 to 30 people. Would that be a right number, Shishir? Yeah. That's great. And one final question before we log off, and I think it's a difficult one. Uh, where do you see this going Is in the sense that... Uh, uh, we know that uh, India is growing at X percent and it's there in the news every day. Will private equity be growing at a proportional rate or more than proportionately? Uh, I think more experience than me on this. I'll let him handle it. No, I think we both of us should handle it because Rowan covers much more of it now. I'll begin with it. Private equity is risk capital, really. Mm-hmm. So it's basically investing into a company or a situation where things are a bit uncertain. And uh, I feel that there will always be a scope or a window for those kind of opportunities in India. So, I mean, you know, the way the economy is growing, the way the entrepreneurship is flourishing, I think at least in the foreseeable future, there will be a market for it. I'll just approach it from a different point of view, which is a combination of two things. One is, as Shishir mentioned, the Indian economy is still one of the fastest growing in the world. In, you know, in the article, we make a point that the amount of capital that's required by Indian businesses in order to sustain this or continue growing this there's still a gap in what entrepreneurs need and what the market is able to provide. Mm-hmm. So A, there is a need which needs to be met. The other side is if you really look at private equity where the money is coming from, you know, who the investors are, most of the money actually comes from outside India. It comes from Western developed markets. For mm-hmm. those investors in those markets, if they're looking at multiple growth in their investments, it's really not coming from the Western economies. I mean, it's coming from Asia, it's coming from uh, maybe countries in Latin America, etc. Therefore, if you look at uh, recent data, and I think Spain had put out this data as well, and uh, you know, a couple of other research firms also, most of the investor money is flowing into Asia and within it, countries like India and China. Uh-huh. So that's the second part of the equation, which is where the investors want to invest. So you take the two together, is there enough of a need in the Indian market to absorb this capital? Two, are there many avenues for international investors to put their money into? So when you combine the two of these factors together, you know, you'll come to the conclusion that private equity in India will see a surge in the immediately foreseeable future. Uh-huh. So parasites. President Barack Obama of the U.S. <laughs> right. Well, on that note, I think it's time to wrap up. And uh, thank you so much, Shishir and Rohan, for your time again. Thanks, Abhishek. Thank you. Thank you once again, Great. And this time, I, w- I was very curious. Uh, this time, you didn't choose to use any of the lyrics of REM or any other band to start your article <laughs> like you had done last time. <laughs> okay, so I was like, you know, quizzing about that. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps someday soon, some some other article because the Prasad and Sharma yeah, TV will bet. do it. Bet. Before we log off, uh, for all you listeners out there, please log on to business.in.com 
where you can uh, get this podcast as well as theindicast.com. We'd love to know your comments on this. Thank you so much.